so we've been on a topic for the past couple of weeks and what does anybody remember what topic we've been talking about anger well anger was a couple of weeks back then it was kind of a series on anger and anxiety the past couple of weeks we've talked about anxiety uh, can any of you relate to the topic of anxiety worse uh, stress worry those things I, I think it's pretty no good uh, well then I guess I'm the only one here but um so, so we're going to continue just by way of uh, review. First week, we talked from Philippians. It's kind of one of the most famous passages we know from Philippians 4 about being not anxious. And we talked about kind of the, the bottom line is the need for us to change our perspective and to go from worry to worship. That's kind of at the heart of that passage is telling us to worship instead of worry. So that is one cure or one antidote for worry and then last week we looked at matthew chapter 6 uh, where jesus was talking about the birds of the air he was talking about the flowers in the field and that we don't need to worry and if you remember the heart of that passage was we don't need to worry because we have a god who cares about us and knows what we need and so just reflecting on that in your worries in your cares a lot of times that can alleviate it just to know we have a God that can take care of all these things that we have going on. And today we're going to talk about something that I think we can probably all relate to. And that is the idea of busyness or distraction in life. And so <clears throat> I want to just start by asking a few questions. And the first question I want to ask is, uh, do you regularly spend time with Christ? And, and that kind of has kind of a churchy sound to it. You don't have to answer that out, out loud, but you know, what does that really mean? And so that's that, uh, maybe even the phrase, what does it mean to receive from Christ? What does that look like in every day? Are you receiving from Christ? Do you spend time with Christ? Some of you have heard those phrases before, right? Like, I just need to spend some time with Christ, or, uh, you know, I just I'm, feel like I just need to, to receive from him. What does that really mean? What does that look like? And then do you spend time that you'd like, the amount of time that you'd like in prayer and reading God's word? I hope that you try to get into God's word regularly. It's vital for your spiritual health to be in God's word, to be reading it, and to be spending time praying. But I know that there are a lot of people that struggle with doing that on a regular basis. They want to, they make a plan to, they, they start, they commit to. And then something ends up happening. What are, and so maybe that, what are some of those things that keep us busy, keep us distracted in life? Family, work, dogs, pets, okay. Penny has five right now? Six. Six. So uh, that you can see why that, that, that would be a full-time job. We got a dog and a hamster and I'm, I feel overwhelmed. <laughs> what else? I mean, you talk about distractions. We live in a society full of distractions. Uh, you think about the concept of multitasking, and some of some of us pride ourselves on being a good multitasker. And I'll just say this: I don't think it's possible. You can multitask, but you're probably going to be doing a bunch of stuff poorly or halfway than one thing well. And again, I understand sometimes we do need to multitask. I'm not saying 
uh, you're sinning if you, you're multitasking. I'm just saying a lot of people, Carly's not in here, so I feel like I shouldn't throw her under the bus, uh, but don't, yeah, you guys will tell her. <laughs> um, I'm always like, the multitasking thing, just get this one thing done and move to the next. And, uh, and she, she needs to tell me the same things, but you think about it, even with the technology we have, well, let me just go to multitasking and technology. Really, you think about that term uh, multitasking. I heard that that term wasn't even really used until the computer generations, because it was that computers could do multifunctions at the same time. And so we kind of adopted that idea and, and started using that terminology of multitasking, doing many things. And you think about it, it's so easy now to check your email while you're watching TV, right? I mean, how many times, what about distracted driving? How many people, uh, don't raise your hand because I don't want a, a war in here. How many people have texted while they're driving? Beyond, okay, come for you. <laughs> How, who feels guilty right now by me just asking that question? Just kidding. But the reality is we, we are multitaskers, right? And we can be very busy, very distracted. Well, let's think about the reality and just kind of agree or disagree with these. Sometimes my relationship with Christ is hindered because I feel too busy or have too many things to do. Can you relate to that? Would you agree or disagree with that? And you think sometimes maybe you think if I just had a week up in the mountains alone, if I had a week on an island, I could then I could really get connected to God and get filled up and I would be refueled and ready to go. I often feel like I'm running on empty, even though I'm trying to serve God and do what's right. Anybody here ever feel like that? Get burnt out, ministry stuff or doing what's right. And just maybe even it's just taking care of the stuff around the house and your job and uh, family, all, all those different things. And you could begin to feel like you're running on empty. Can anybody relate to that? Often feel stressed out and overwhelmed by all the things that need to be done. How many people keep to-do lists? Or maybe you have an app that does it for you. And it feels like as soon as you get one thing crossed off, you've already added two things on it, right? It feels like the to-do list is constantly growing. It's never like down to hardly anything like one more thing and I'm done. I regularly take time with Christ in order to receive from him. Would you agree with that or disagree? I'm not saying you take time and it's just one more thing on your schedule that you have to do and go, okay, I spent my time with Christ. Check. Next, I need to make sure and get the uh, car wash. Check. But that you take time to just receive from Christ. That's what I want to talk a little bit about today, what that looks like. So we're going to look at Luke 10, 38 to 42. This is a story that's going to be so familiar to you guys. You've probably uh, read it, know it. We're going to pray one more time, and then we'll read this again and talk a little bit more about it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we do have a way to be connected to you through your son. And that we can have our needs met, that we can be filled up. We don't have to run around on empty. I know that's you say that you, you sent your son that we could have life and have it abundantly. You don't want us running around on empty. Help us learn even today to be people that are being filled up, being refreshed, being renewed 
through you, your son, your word. And I, I pray that you would just minister to each person who's here. You know what's going on with each person. Maybe they're distracted. Maybe they're uh, feeling guilty or ashamed, or maybe they're feeling uh, busy or occupied in their mind. Uh, you know what each person needs. And so I ask that you administer to each person through your Holy Spirit and through your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it happened as they went. Does anyone know what this story is going to be about? Don't look at it real quick. Who is it? Martha, Mary, Mary and Martha. Now, it happened as they went, a group with Jesus, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And, and notice this. It's her house. So she's probably a widow. She's probably a person who's taking care of things on her own. It doesn't say welcome into their family's house or doesn't use the husband's name. It's her house. It's her home. And uh, she welcomes him in. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I'm just going to make a side note here. All three times we see this Mary, there are different Marys in scripture, but all three times we see this Mary in scripture, she's at Jesus' feet. Once here, once when her brother Lazarus has died and she, she's calling out, crying out her woes to Christ. And once when she anoints Christ, uh, but she's at his feet. So here we have Mary at his feet and hearing his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. So, hey, Jesus, will you come to my house? Will you come in? And, and, and he comes in and she gets busy doing all this stuff. She's distracted with all the things she needs to get done. And she's uh, busily doing things. And finally, she gets a little, it sounds like frustrated, annoyed, bitter, uh, overwhelmed. And it's like, she comes to Jesus. And then so she finally approaches Jesus and says, don't you care? My sister's not doing anything. I mean, Jesus knows that. She's sitting right at his feet. My sister's not doing anything. And then she tells Jesus, Tell my sister to help me. She starts giving instructions to Jesus of what he needs to do. All right. Um, it says, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And one thing I just want to say here is it's interesting. The way that Christ says this here, you would have to think that he's being compassionate to her in her situation. He, he's, not, uh, he's, he's not scolding her. He's not being angry. It's a, it's a rebuke or correction, but it, he's trying to get her to change her perspective on, on things, what's going on. And so that's what we want to talk about today. And it, I, I think that this story is highlights it's not about what we need to do for jesus it's about what we need jesus to do for us and let me just say something about that all throughout uh society and our culture um religion it's usually about what you can do what you need to do this list of things you need to stop doing this list of things you need to start doing the things you need to clean up the things you're doing wrong the things you're doing right how can i do more stuff right how can i serve and really there's something to those things but that's not what our faith is about our faith is about what jesus christ has done for us 
And the fact of the matter is, is we're all needy people. And we need Jesus Christ, one for salvation, but two for daily living. We absolutely need Jesus Christ. And many of us kind of approach life, and whether it's you, maybe you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I said, if you died today, where would you go? You say, I go to heaven. And I've had people say this, even in this church, say this. Well, why do you think you would go to heaven? Well, I tried to do this. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm working hard at that. I'm mostly this. And that's about you're trying to work your way to heaven. It's your works. And the reality of it is our faith is not based on our works. It's based on who Jesus Christ is and what he has done, his works. So it's not about what we need to do for Jesus. It's about what we need Jesus to do for us. And, and a lot of us are running around stressed out because it's all the things we need to get done. We need to do. We need, and I think we need a little bit more time letting Jesus Christ meet our needs and minister to us. So we're going to kind of cover this and approach this passage like this. We're going to look at signs we're not receiving from Jesus like we need to, how to receive from Jesus, and reasons why we should or reasons to receive from him. So the first I want to talk about is signs we're not re receiving from Jesus like we need to. I'm just going to cover the ones that are in this passage that are obvious in this passage and the first one is we're distracted one sign that you're not being filled up you're not having your needs met you're not being ministered to by christ is that you're distracted it says there martha was distracted with much serving the whole idea of distracted is that you're dragged away with your cares so you're supposed to be here in other words martha would have been best for her to spend some time at the feet of christ first and to get filled up, you're supposed to be here, but you got drawn, drawn away, dragged away by your cares. Can you relate to this? You have all these cares and they're dragging you away. And we've talked about this even last week. A lot of times our cares are dragging us away from all the other parts of life that are important. Our cares and concerns are keeping us consumed. And so we're dragged away from the family that we love because we're somewhere else in our mind and our heart. And so this doesn't even have to be physically we're talking about, like it was, I think, in the scripture there where she's dragged away by all these things. But maybe it's just in our own heart. We're so preoccupied. We're so caught up. We're so distracted. We're thinking about so many things. We see what's going on on the news, and we keep thinking about this, and we're thinking about that, and the stuff we need to get done, the stuff we didn't get done, and we're dragged away from where our heart should be. Can you relate to that at all? And I think it's interesting to note that Martha welcomed them in. And then she became distracted. They had a relationship. She had a good intention. She wanted to spend time with Christ. She wanted to serve him. She wanted to bless. She wanted to minister. But then she got distracted. And for many of us, that's it. We want to have a relationship with Christ. Maybe we've taken some of those steps to have a relationship with Christ. We are, uh, he is a part of our life. But he's kind of getting brushed off to the side because we have all these other things we need to do. And so it's possible. It doesn't mean that you don't love God or you don't want anything to do with God. Distractions creep into our life. And we get sidetracked with other things. I mean, how often do you get sidetracked? Anymore, I feel like, especially the older I get, I don't know if it's just my mind, but 
I can walk into a room and forget I went into, I forget what I even came in here for. I'm, I'm sidetracked because I got 10 other things going through my head. And so we get carried away by our cares. We're overoccupied. The, uh, I think it's the King James uses the word cumbered in this passage. I kind of like that word, just kind of overwhelmed and burdened things. And what is she distracted with? Much serving. She wasn't distracted with her, her nail appointment or her salon appointment, or she wasn't distracted with uh, some gossip that she needed to get out to the neighbors. She was distracted with something good. She was distracted with serving. That word has the idea of deaconing. And so it's the same word as being a deacon. She had a heart to serve. She wanted to do what was right. It has the idea of waiting on or ministering to people. She wasn't, she wasn't, uh, you know, trying to, to figure out how she could um, just kill some time in the kitchen. She, she wanted to do what was right. It also has the idea of taking care of domestic duties. And so can we get distracted with all our daily responsibilities, things that are genuine responsibilities that we need to get done? Yeah, and there's a lot of them, right? There's, there's never a shortage of those things. I like this quote by John Ortberg. He says, for many of, the, many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. If you're involved in ministry, there's never a shortage. And I know that many of you informally minister there's never a shortage of needs to meet or places to go or people to serve or people to help there's never a shortage of those things but we and that is something good but we can get so distracted with serving doing works that we end up settling for a mediocre relationship with jesus christ many of the people that we're serving and ministering to don't even know that they don't know we're running on empty Another sign that you're not uh, letting him minister to you is we feel alone. And she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. One, she thinks that Jesus Christ doesn't even care. Don't you care? And then two, she's upset with her sister and, and orders Christ to straighten his, her sister out. And so sometimes do you feel like it's all up to me? You ever feel that way? Like you're kind of in it alone. You have all this stuff. You're overwhelmed. Nobody can get this stuff done besides me. I'm the only one that's going to be able to do that. I need more. I wish I had other people to help me. This is too much for one person. And I used to hate group. Well, I shouldn't say that. The older I've gotten, the more I realized I was kind of a flake when it came to the school group projects. Is it, you guys ever remember doing group projects in school? They'd be like, okay, we're going to pair you up with four people and you're going to do a project and it has to be this and this and this. And we want it. And there was always like two kids that were clowning around the entire time. I was one of them. <laughs> a little bit, mom. Sorry. I got through school, so hey. Uh, but kind of clowning around, right? And so Here's the deal. As I've gotten older, I've realized if you're in a group project or something that takes many, and there's some people that aren't taking it serious or half-hearted about it, it's like double the weight on you. And so I look back on the group projects, I'm like, 
man, we were putting a lot of weight on those other kids because we were just clowning. I mean, this is great. We get to spend time in a group and work on our project during class time. And, you know, we're just goofing around. But the reality is, as you get older and you have responsibilities, you can begin to feel like, I need some people to jump in here. No one else is pulling their weight. I'm the one that's doing everything. If I just had three or four people, they would also want to, can, can you relate to that? If you start feeling that way, and you start to feeling like it's all up to you, it can cause you to grow bitter, right? And if you start feeling that, like, I just wish people would get with the program, then that begins to show. And it's kind of like your dash light of a heart to go ding, 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 check engine, check heart. I am probably not being filled up by Christ. I'm feeling desperate. So that's another sign that we're not uh, allowing him to fill us up, minister to us. Another one is we're stressed. And again, this topic has been on anxiety. Let me just say commercial for our next series. After John uh, preaches next week, we're going to, Lord willing, start in the book of Ephesians. That's how we usually go through a book. So we're going to start Ephesians. We'll be done with our topic. So if you want to start getting ahead, start on that. But another sign is that we're stressed. And again, we are talking about anxiety. It's the state of being troubled by distracting cares. It has that idea that God says we should care about things. And he even uses some of the same words. Greek words are used for cares, concerns. We are supposed to have cares and concerns. It's when those cares and concerns begin to cause problems and distract us and drag us away that they become sinful and it becomes anxiety instead of a genuine concern. God wants us to care. God wants us to be concerned, but he doesn't want us to be anxious and troubled. So when you begin being anxious and troubled, go this care, this concern has somehow gotten out of hand. And that's what he says. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And he knows her heart here. He knows there's probably a lot of things she has going on. And maybe you can relate to that. And you think, yeah, it's weird. I, so one, one hour of the day, I'm troubled about this. And the next hour, I'm troubled about that. And it just feels like there are so many things that are overwhelming me. There are so many cares that I have that I feel like they're starting to trouble me. It's not just a list of things I care about or need to get done, but these are troubling me. And it's interesting. And here we're going to kind of start moving into a little bit about what it means to have our needs met from Christ and how we can do that how we can receive from him. And the word of God is vital in that. It's vital. So this passage, some of you uh, are familiar with this passage, and it's where the, the sower goes out and sows the seeds. And what are the seeds in that parable? The seeds are the, anyone know? It's the word of God. And so he goes out and sows these seeds, right? And, you know, some of them fall by the side of the road and some fall in good soil, but then some also fall and some of the birds come and pick away. Uh, but some, it says, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, the cares of this world, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. And so there's seed, there's the word of God that comes into our hearts or comes into the hearts of others. And what ends up happening is the cares of this world 
and I, I would imagine you can relate to this. You're fired up on a Sunday, you're ministered to, you're filled up, and then by Monday, it's all been choked out and it's almost to nothing. And you're like, man, it seemed so alive yesterday, or I felt so blessed, or I felt so ministered to, but then the cares of the world begin to choke it out. And we, we can relate to that, can't we? And so the reality is that when we're stressed, when we're worried, when the cares of this world come in, what ends up happening is it'll hinder the work of God. It'll end up hindering the work that God wants to do through his word. So just kind of recap, some of the signs that we aren't receiving from Jesus like we need to is we are distracted, we feel alone, and we are stressed. Can you guys relate to that at all? Think, man, I want to just feel overwhelmed. I just want to feel refreshed. Well, I want to talk a little bit about how to receive from Jesus, because that's kind of a weird, I mean, if you say that anywhere else other than in church on a Sunday, like you sounds like, brother, it just sounds like you need to receive from Jesus. You're like, is he going to mail me something? Or what, like, how does that work? Like, what do you mean I need to receive from Jesus? Let's talk about practically what that looks like. One is we need to come to him humbly. And so Mary, she came and sat at Jesus' feet. For us, that's coming to him. And we need to stop what we're doing and take some time and go to him. And I will say this. Martha ended up coming to Christ. I don't want to throw Martha under the bus on this. She ended up coming to Christ. It wasn't the best or the ideal, but she didn't storm out of the house. She ended up coming and she just brought her problems and her frustration and all of those things in her instructions to Jesus. And I will say, it's better than just storming out of the house or hiding out in the kitchen. She could have just hung out in the kitchen and banged some pans around a little bit so that everybody knew she was in there working and nobody else was, but she didn't. So I, I don't want to throw... So coming to Christ and coming to him humbly, and what Mary did was she came to him humbly. She came and just sat at his feet. You know, Mary came ready to hear what Jesus had to say. Martha came to tell Jesus what to do. Maybe we can think about that in our prayer life. You know, you can kind of think, like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, and uh, I need you to do this, and uh, please take care of so-and-so, and do this, 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 rather than, and I'm not saying there's not a place for that, we're to make our requests known. But coming to humbly with a heart to receive. <clears throat> God's grace. I'm not going to go into this a lot right now. We can talk about this more on Wednesday, Zoom. But God's grace is undeserved gifts. That's what grace is. It's undeserved gifts. Are accessed through humility or dependence and faith. That's how salvation is given to us, right? I can't do it. I need a savior that humility. And so it accesses the grace of God. I can't work my way to heaven. I'm stuck. I'm a sinner. I need help. And so that is God blesses that heart coming to him in humility and dependence. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So one, if you want to receive from Christ and you feel like it's kind of closed off, I'm not really receiving but you're in this mindset, like, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got, maybe part of it is stop, go to Christ with a heart of dependence and neediness. 
and go, I need, I need something from you. And go into him with that heart and with that attitude. Uh, <clears throat> we've looked at that verse before, and just for the sake of time, you can look it up later. Uh, but coming to Christ is what will give us rest for our souls. So come to him humbly, but the next part is open our heart to his word. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And you may think, well, that's real nice. Where could I go sit at his feet and hear him audibly talk to me? I am guessing not one single person in here has ever heard Jesus' audible voice speak to them. Right? Maybe through the, the Holy Spirit, you've had a thought or a feeling or words came to your mind. But how do we hear what Jesus has to say? Well, his words in the Gospels are in here, and his heart is in here. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, right here, if we want to hear from Jesus Christ, this is how we hear from Jesus Christ. She sat and humbly came to him and said, I need something. I'm, I'm ready to listen. It says she came and heard. She opened her heart up to his word, it says. And for us, this is how we receive from Christ is by opening our heart up to his word. A lot of us are just hoping a feeling will hit us. A lot of us are just uh, hoping circumstances turn our way. But if we really want to hear from Christ, because his words and his heart are contained here in God's word, we're going to have to either, and, and I'll, let me just make this clear. It's going to happen one of two ways. Truth that you've heard already, or truth that you're reading now presently so what i'm trying to say is that doesn't mean if you need to receive that you need to get away from everything i, I uh, boss i gotta take a 20 minute break i need to go read my bible it can be reflecting on god's word that you heard this sunday god's word that you read in the morning before you went to work it can be meditating on truths and principles from god's word it can be received like that and so you have access and i would say we need to be storing up filling up our storehouses of our heart with God's word so that we can access them all the time. Because we need God's word desperately. We need Christ and we need to receive from Christ. And when we have God's word planted in our heart, that's how the word of Christ is going to dwell in us richly. It doesn't say let it just kind of pass through every now and then, that it would dwell in us richly. So open your heart up to his word. You know, God's word gives us access to all the resources that Jesus Christ offers. Even eternal life, being born again, comes through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Without the truth that's contained here, we would not know how to be born. Spiritual life, the, the, the origin of spiritual life for us comes through the truth that's found in God's word. Without God's word, we wouldn't know how to be born again. Also, I want to take just a couple minutes on, on this passage. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and, and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching. That idea of teaching there has the idea of getting somebody set on a path. Giving them what they need for the path. So God's word, does it give us what we need for the path? Yeah, 
to walk in daily life. God's word gives us all that for rebuke. That has the idea of uh, not just correction, but conviction. So God's word can get us on the path. And where is there going down that path? Some of us are going to need to be convicted, right? I mean, how many times does someone try and tell you something, tell you something, tell you something? You're like, nah, 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 nah. And all of a sudden, out of God's word, or God starts putting something on your heart through the truth that you know from his word. And all of a sudden, there's a conviction there by the Holy Spirit. And I know one thing. My wife would rather me be convicted by the Holy Spirit than her nag me. Because when the Holy Spirit convicts me, it's a whole lot more effective than her trying to convince me that I was wrong or her badger me about something or something. And she'll, she'll say like, I'm just praying for God to show you because the conviction is a whole lot more effective. And so the reality is scripture gives us everything we need. One for teaching, it gets us on the right path. Two, it starts highlighting those things in our life that are troubling, going to cause damage, the sin areas that keep us from experiencing the whole life in God. For correction, that has the idea of healing, restoring, fixing, getting back off a crooked path. And as we're on that path, don't we wander off sometimes? We need to be corrected. We need God's word can bring healing, restoration. It can correct you, restore you. God's word can do that. And for training in righteousness. It can teach you the things that you need to, the discipline, the things you need to do over and over and over, the equipping. And it says, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. So the reality is, I need to receive from Christ. I need to be filled up. I would say, go to his word. And that's what Mary did. That's what he said was the good thing. She came and sat at his feet and listened to his word. You're like, well, I can't. Well, it must be nice to be a pastor. You get to sit around and read the Bible all week long. No, that's not what we do. We, we put God's word in our heart and we take it with us and we meditate on it. And if you have to, and there's been times I have cards in my truck or in my wallet or whatever it is that I need to go back to the word of God to be restored and filled back up. So let me just give a couple of practical examples and, and we'll begin to wrap up here. Sometime, so what does this look like to receive from Christ? So let's say you sin. Let's say you have an outburst of anger at somebody, your kid or uh, neighbor or whatever it is. You have an outburst of anger. You go and make it right. Hey, I really want to apologize. Uh, you know, will you forgive me? That was sinful. I was a jerk. Uh, that, was, that was wrong. But you still feel off or distant from God. Can anyone relate to something like that? Maybe it's not an outburst of anger, but something. You just feel like, well, First John 1, 9, so it starts with scripture, knowing the truth, says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'm going to be, I need to confess this. And John 13, you know the, the story about Christ washing Peter's feet. He, he goes to wash his feet and Peter's like, no, 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 no. You're not washing my feet. He's like, if I don't wash your feet, I can't have anything to do with you. He's like, well, don't wash my feet. Wash all of me then. He's like, I don't need to wash all of you. You've been cleaned. It's your feet that need washing. And the reality of that is, for us as believers, we've been made clean. We've been made new. We've been given eternal life. 
we've been given the spirit of God, but we walk day to day and get sin on us, don't we? And imagine this, picture this, going to Christ and confessing and saying, I lost my cool again. I'm so sick of doing this, Father. I'm sorry. I want to confess that was sin. I need you to wash my feet of that now. I feel separate. I just want to allow Christ to wash my feet. I know he died. He took care of these sins. And he can cleanse them from our relationships so they're not hanging us up. Is that receiving from Christ? Using scripture to receive from Christ? What's that going to do? Wow, all of a sudden your heart starts to melt. You feel loved and you've received love. You've enjoyed forgiveness. And it comes through the truth that we know from God's word, but it's actually receiving from Christ. Make sense? Imagine this. You're feeling insecure. Whatever it is, I don't know, maybe you have a job interview and you go to Ephesians. You're like, man, I'm feeling so insecure. I'm feeling so worried. I'm feeling so stressed out about this job interview and, and this and that. And your anxiety, I'm distracted. I got all these things. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to God's word. And you go to Ephesians and you start reading about the fact that you've been giving every spiritual blessing in Christ, that you've been chosen in Christ, that you've been called to be holy and beloved in Christ, that you've been given forgiveness in Christ. And you start going through that list. You've been sealed, which means secure in Christ. Does that begin to chip away at those insecurities and you can walk in filled up and you've just received from Christ? That's what it practically looks like. Taking God's word and applying it and allowing Christ to minister to us. So why should we do this? And I'm going to make this really quick. What Jesus says is, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. This is what we need to do. For us, we're thinking, I need to get the laundry done. I need to get this to-do list wiped out. I need to get uh, that done. I need to get over and serve so-and-so. I told uh, these guys I would bring dinner to them. I told, but what we really need, the one thing that's needed is to be going to Christ. He says the chosen, the good part. That, that means that word means beneficial or useful. It feels like, okay, after I get all this stuff done, then I can spend some time with Christ, right? Do you ever feel like that? Like, if I get this, this, this done, then I have some time with Christ. Really? Flip-flopping that would probably be more useful. And going, I'm going to spend some time with Christ, because that's what's good, that's what's beneficial, and that's what's really useful, is to go to him and spend some time. And again, being in God's word is vital to that. It says, it will not be taken away from her. So what she did... It wouldn't be taken away. It provides what's last. Let me ask you this. If you got to get the house clean, how long does the house stay clean? You got to get the bills paid and get all the finance stuff. How long till that's a mess again? You got more bills to do and balance. Like you can balance your check checking account probably every four hours. The way we got automatic bill pay and all this, right? And then it's, it's there again. Ministry things. Okay, I finally got so-and-so. I went and met with these guys and, and, you know, kind of feel like they're in a good place. And that's how long till there's another mess to take care of, another ministry thing to do. It's not going to last. But those times with Christ, the things we get from Christ will last. 
So I wanna just wrap it up by reading this little poem and remind you that it's not about what we're doing for Jesus, about what we need Jesus to do for us. And I'm just gonna read through this poem and, and then I'm uh, gonna invite Ed up. And I know Ed's gonna be sharing about the power of God's word. We're gonna see a testimony. And I just want to, to encourage you that this is powerful and we can access all the promises of Jesus Christ. We have access to all the promises of Jesus Christ. We have access to all our needs being met. He says, I've, through my precious and magnificent promises that you partake of the divine nature. Through his precious and magnificent promises, we partake of the divine nature. That's powerful. God can do supernatural things in our life through his word. We got to spend some time coming to him humbly to receive from him. Let me just read this poem. I'm going to invite that up. At the feet of Jesus, I've found a place to rest. And when my trials oppress me, I lean upon his breast. I cast my cares upon him because he cares for me. The son of God, my savior, he has made me free. At the feet of Jesus, my troubles melt away. My soul has a restoring, my strength renewed each day. Upon God's holy mountain, I soar to heights above to drink deep of the fountain of Jesus' love. At the feet of Jesus, Mary sat and heard the wisdom and the comfort of Jesus' precious word. To labor or to listen, Mary had to choose, but Mary chose that good part that she could not lose. At the feet of Jesus, I shed my broken tears, and at the feet of Jesus, I shed my trembling fears. My solace is such sweetness, my comfort is complete, for I have found my refuge at Jesus' feet. I just want to encourage you, turn to Christ today, uh, turn to Christ this week in all the busyness of life. Remember that you need to have your tank filled up by him, by Jesus Christ. Allow him to do that. Spend time regularly in his word this week. It's powerful.